John 15, 16, we're in the series called Tagged. How many of you have learned anything from it so far? All right, you are tagged by God. You must be trained by God to fulfill the task you have from God. Every human is tagged with the image of God. Whether they hate God or love God, they are tagged by the image of God. Now you must be trained by God because there is an assignment higher than you. It's not just a job, it's not just a career, it is a task from God. And here's what God says about you. All right, here's what Jesus said about you. John 15, 16, and I want you to read it out loud so you'll let Satan soil himself while you read it out loud, amen? You ready? Everybody look at the screens, let's say it out loud, ready? Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. He knows you don't have it, so you have to learn to ask him for it. He knows you don't have what it is to be the husband you need to be, to be the wife you need to be, to be the employee you need to be, the supervisor you need to be, the student you need to be. So you have to ask him for it that fruit for the kingdom will remain. And that's the reason why I'm gonna talk to you about being a tenacious, tagged follower of Jesus. You must be tenacious in asking God, God, Here's what I need for you, that you're from you to see your kingdom flourish. Amen? Amen. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're tagged by God. Amen? You can have a seat in the house of God. Go ahead and have a seat. Oh, man, I tell you what, it's good morning. Amen? Amen. Great morning. Great spirit of God in here today, too. So when you look at the background of what, of what Elijah, we're talking about the study of Elijah. We got one more next Sunday in the Tagged series. And uh, I want you just to see something about him. It's really supernatural about him. You remember that he lived in the northern, uh, in the northern kingdom, which was Israel. And uh, you know that he has dealt with, he comes on the scene. We don't know a whole lot about him. He's had 19 consecutive wicked, evil kings for 200 years. They have turned the people from God, and God says, I want you to confront the current king, King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel, because they have done more to turn people away from God than anything. And they turned them to false gods, to the practice of Baal and Asherah. And there were such ungodly things happening, and I won't go through all that again. But he was tagged to do it. He was tagged to do it in 1 Kings 18. We know that he went and confronted King Ahab, and last week we talked about how he told them to meet them on Mount Carmel, and there the God that answered by fire is going to be the God of Israel. You remember the story. He put the sacrifice there. The the prophets of Baal put their sacrifice there. They They put the stones. They put the wood. They put the animal. Then they danced around from morning till evening, and the gods of Baal, Satan, could not answer. Then Elijah gets up one moment and one moment and puts the altar back together. He prays, fire falls. Fire falls, consumes the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the water around it. And that day, the entire people, the kingdom of Israel, turned toward God and said, He is the God we worship. 
I'm going to tell you something. How many know we need those kind of moments supernaturally in this culture today that God began to turn a nation like he's never turned it? Well, let me tell you one of the reasons why it gets turned. It's because God's people ask for something that they know they cannot humanly do themselves. And then after he turned it all around, you know, the 450 prophets of Baal were totally destroyed that moment. And it had been a drought for a long time because he prayed there would be no rain. You remember that? He prayed there would be no rain. And now God tells him, I want you to pray for rain. Now I want you to pray for rain, the blessing, the favor of God, the favor that Baal couldn't give, which he was considered a sky God to control the weather. This thing's been shut down for three and a half years. God says, let me show them who really is in control. And he prayed and he prayed. Now here's the deal. Some of us go through a series like this going, yeah, but that's Elijah. Yeah, it's Elijah. But the Bible says something so profound in the book of James about Elijah and God's people believing him to do great things in their life. And look at James 5, 17, because it makes reference to what happened in 1 Kings. Now look at this. He said, Elijah was a human as we are, just like you and me. Two eyes, a nose, a mouth, hair, all of it. He was a human. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So for three and a half years, there's been no production. There's been no produce because this man said, God, shut the valve off. And three and a half years later, after a severe drought and economic shutdown, he says, God, turn the spigot on. And the Bible says that it began to rain. And you need to understand this. What James says is, is that when you're praying, you think, well, God will answer Pastor Sam. Well, God will answer that one sister because she shakes when she prays. Or God will answer that person because they're real loud when they pray. Or God will answer that person because they've been in church longer than me. I just got saved this morning. I just got saved last week. I'm going to tell you the Bible says Elijah was just like you and me. He was like us. He didn't have superpowers. He was a regular, regular, ordinary man, just an ordinary person like you and me. But the difference was he prayed earnestly, he prayed boldly, he prayed it confidently, and it became an effective prayer. How many believe that God wants to hear the earnest, effective prayers of the people out of this house and those of you sitting in your house today? He wants you to pray earnestly. So I want to talk to you about this, Elijah, and how he prayed and why it was effective. So write this down this morning. First of all, effective prayers are tender prayers. They are tender prayers. If I could put it this way, they come with a real sense of humility from the one that is offering it. It is not given in this sense where, you know, God, have you seen my tithing record? So I think you owe me on this one to let me, as I do this scratch-off lottery ticket, that you should help me win. God does not owe Sam Reifkogel a thing. When we come to him, we come to him tender, broken, and absolute humility. Now, there's a reason for this. Look at 1 Kings 18.41. Look how Elijah, look, I want you to see something that's so powerful about this guy. Look at this. He said, then Elijah said to Ahab, Get something. You know, look at this. Isn't this something? God's telling the guy who was the most wicked, 
I'm going to bless you, not because of you, but because of this guy here. Can I tell you that most of the blessing that comes on this country is not because people are some kind of business geniuses. It comes because the godly are praying for favor on a nation and a city, just like Pastor Kerry just said, to pray for the welfare of the place in which you are exiled. Do you get that? Now, I know they don't get that out there, but they're going to think it's because of their economic genius. I'm telling you that the blessing and even the judgment held back is because the body of Christ, you, the children of God, are praying for God's favor. They get the blessing because you're praying. Now, you may not believe that, but I'm telling you, it's because God's people are still praying. God's people are still praying. Look at this. Now, you go eat something, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Look at this, a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink. Now, why would Ahab now start following the man of God's advice? Because he just saw what happened now on Mount Carmel. That's the reason why. They may not believe, but they say, I'm going to listen to you because of what God's doing through you. Watch this. Go get some drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low and bowed low and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Almost as if in a birthing position, he gets low to the ground and he begins to put his face between his knees. What is happening here? He is physically humbling himself but it is a physical picture of a spiritual reality that is inside of him. That God, I know that everything you're doing has nothing to do with my power. It has everything to do with you. Because Elijah knew something. I am a human just like everybody else that's sucking in air in this building this morning. And here's what he knew. He knew from God that he could not bring the rain but he knew the one who could bring the rain. And he knew that it was not his performance, it was purely him. You know, I, I'm, I'm a guy that believes in faith. I believe that faith moves mountains. I really do believe it. I, I believe it. But I've heard people make such a God out of their faith that they said, this happened because of my faith. You know, I know we, we, sometimes we live in a culture where people tell you it takes a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed. No, I still believe a little bit of faith can move a mountain. I believe that. I really do. But don't say my faith made this happen. Because I'm going to tell you who made it happen. Not you, not me. It was God that made it happen. Your faith in him to say, God, I trust you and I come before you. I plead before you, but you're the one that's going to move this mountain, not me. Because my human strength can't do it. And what was Elijah doing? His effective prayer was because he was humble and he was tender. Because he knew it was not him. Well, it's because I prayed that this family got turned around. No, your family got turned around because God sent his conviction and you trusted in him. It's my genius that made this come. No, 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 no. It was God who gave you the favor on your life. And he says, when you come to me, effective prayers must come with a sense of humility. In fact, humility precedes the miraculous operating in your life. That's why you always got to tend to yourself. James referred to him that he was a human because he knew he was human. God has to do it. And he said, Lord, I bring myself low because you're the one that's doing all these things. You're the one that's turned this nation around. 
Could you imagine if they had Instagram then? He'd have probably had every preacher pose in there, people falling out, fire coming down. Look what, no, no, this guy said, you're the one that did it all, Father, not me. I just obeyed you. I tagged and I, I, I obeyed you. Now I want you to see something here because you gotta tend to yourself. That's the biggest thing. Humility has to come out of our heart. So go back to the book of James, James chapter four, verse six, because he's talking about prayer. And here's what God says. Here's what his word says. God opposes who? The proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Grace is not just grace. Oh, you got grace. God's got grace. All God's people got grace. That's not what Grace is the empowerment, is the ability. It is the strength. It is the anointing that comes into it. God's, it says, God resists the proud, but he's the one that gives grace to the humble to do what they've been tagged to do. He gives it to them. And then he says, I want to tell you why some people don't see some things happen in their life when they pray. They're saying, God, I want you to do something. But he says, look what James says. James says, your motives are all twisted. Go to James chapter four, verse three. Look at this. He says, and even when you ask, now he's talking about prayer. He says, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. God, please change my kid because it'll give me pleasure so I don't have to be so embarrassed when I talk to the rest of the family. He says, do it because you want God's will released in their life. Do it because your motive is God. It is all about the lasting fruit that's for you, not what it looks like for me. Can you see that? Some people, he says, just ask out of the wrong reasons because, well, let me put it to you this way. What if someone's married and their spouse says, uh, their spouse is cheating on them. Let's say they're cheating on them. And so they, they ask the other spouse, hey, I need 200 bucks. The spouse says, what do you need? They say, it's none of your business. But the other spouse knows the reason why they want the 200 bucks is because they're in an affair over here and it's gonna fund the adultery. Now, do you think that spouse is gonna fork over $200 when you're asking for something, but they know it's to fund your adultery? And sometimes I wonder if God does not answer our prayers because he knows that when we get it, we're, it's gonna benefit the other lover in our life. It may fund our ego. It may fund the thing that's become our God. It may fund something. He says, I tell you what, I'm not gonna answer that prayer because I know it's gonna fund another lover because it's pulling you away from your true love, the one who's really the one that deserves all honor, all glory, the one who really is the one that gave it all. He says, come to me in a tender, tender place because I discovered God will not fund other lovers in my life. That's why effective prayers have to be tender, broken prayers to hear what the Spirit is saying to you about your motive when you're asking. And he says, when you come with that, he says, I resist the proud. He says, but I'll give grace to the person that's asking, saying, God, what's your will? Tell me the will, reveal the will. I'll pray in line with your will. And here's what he says in verse 10 of James chapter four. James 4.10, he says, humble yourself before the Lord. Now, how many know God doesn't humble us? We have to humble ourselves. He said, humble yourself. Bring yourself low. He says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Did you hear what the promise is when you and I come and say, God, I want to be tender. Please speak to my heart. 
You might even use other people to speak to my heart, God, about my motives and prayer. Why am I asking for this request in my life? Is it, am I asking for peace in my marriage just because I need someone to be quiet? Or do I really want my wife and my husband to be transformed by you because I want to see them glorify you and not just do things so I have my way? I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. But he says, when we bring ourselves low, he brought himself low and he says, Father, he said, I because I, I can't do this. And it's about your glory. It's about your will. It's not about Elijah saying, hey, they didn't answer him. God didn't answer by fire. He says, God, you got to do this. And he says, here's what I do. I oppose the proud. I give grace to the humble. But when you humble yourself before the Lord, he says, I will lift you up in honor and people will see that you are truly wanting my best and my will for your life. Come on, church. How many believe we got to pray with tender prayers? Tender, humble, broken prayers. Here's the second thing Elijah did. Effective prayers are targeted prayers. These are not shotgun prayers. Oh God, just bless everybody. Let there be world peace. He says, pray very specific in accordance with the will of God. This is so good. Elijah, what, what did he pray for? He prayed for rain. He didn't pray for a well. He didn't pray for waters to spring up out of natural wells. He said, it prayed specific, he prayed for rain. Look at verse 41. 1 Kings 18, 41 says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. He didn't say, Go get your bucket and get by the river and by the brook and dip it up. He says, No, there's a rain. Now, look at this. There's been no sign of rain, no dew on the ground for three and a half years. Yet he was very specific about the prayer. He says, God, send Rain. Now stay with this just for a moment. You've got to be targeted and specific in your prayers. Look what James 4.2 says. He says, you do not have because you don't ask. I wonder how many times we're just not asking God. And then when we ask God, we're not specific about what we really need. You know, it's kind of like the pastor. I had a great service, man. Everything, man's fever pitch. Boy, people are just excited. He says, everybody come to the altar. If you need prayer, come to the altar. Please come to the altar. If you need prayer, come to the altar. All of a sudden, Leroy comes down to the altar. He says, Leroy, what can I pray? He says, preacher, you need to pray. You need to pray for help with my hearing. Pastor prays and prays and where he sticks his fingers in his ears, jiggles it, does everything, puts a vibrating in hands for you. He says, okay, Leroy, how's your hearing now? He says, I don't know, pastor. It's not until next Wednesday. How many of you know you got to pray specific? You'll hit that. That'll hit you about midnight tonight. You'll just start rolling. You'll have a great time. You act like you just got it, okay? Pray targeted prayers. Now listen to when I say about praying targeted prayers. He was very specific in what he would. Didn't ask for a well. He didn't ask for a natural spring to come up. He said rain to come because it was direct slap in the face of Baal, the sky god. They thought favor came from him for the rain and God directly targeted. Now, here's what I want you to understand when you pray, when you hear James talking about saying, you see Elijah praying. Pray targeted prayers that are on target with God's will. That's why they're effective. I'm going to say it again. Pray targeted prayers that are on target with God's will. 
Go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. He says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to what, everybody? He hears us. Now, why didn't Elijah pray, Lord, let the brooks flow again. Lord, let us water spring up. Lord, let there be dew on the blades of the grass and they'll start believing me. He says, Lord, give me rain. Because Elijah was very specific and he was on targeted to the, what God had targeted in his will. And all you have to do is go back to 1 Kings 18.1 to know why he prayed for rain. Because verse one says, go back to that one. It says, the Lord said to Elijah, go present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him, I will soon send rain. He only prayed what God had told him in the beginning. God did not ask for the brooks to, to flow again. He did not ask for a natural spring to spring up. He did not ask for dew to be on the blades of grass. He said, you tell him, not you, Elijah, I am the one that is going to perform a miracle. It will be specifically rain, and when I send it, it won't be a trickle. It will be a monsoon that will take he and his chariot and float it into the rivers after I fill it up. I want you to pray for rain. Be very specific. God, what is your will? That's a tough one to pray, isn't it? It's a tough one to pray. It's a tough one to pray. But Jesus Christ shows us very clearly that the toughest prayer you can ever pray, because we can say it so flippantly, but you never know what it requires of you. We can pray it so flippantly, but Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And I've said this before, but it almost seems as if God told Jesus no. Because he said, let this cup pass from me. You remember that? And what appeared to be a no was really a yes to you and me. And sometimes your will doesn't go the way you want it. And sometimes you may think it's a no, and you may think it's not the one that ought to happen, but I promise you, if you say, God, I line up with your will, you know better than me. I resign of CEO of the universe, and I let the God who created it all order the steps of the righteous, and wherever it takes me, Father, just give me the grace and the power to walk through it that your glory will be seen. Come on, church, how many believe we got to pray targeted prayers according to his will? Why was he so effective? He was tender. He was humble. He came in humility. Why was his prayer so effective? Because it was targeted, it was specific, but it was in alignment with what God had told him in the first place. So can I tell you the most powerful things you can ever pray? Pray the word of God, because the word of God is the will of God. Pray the word of God. We are praying for things that are not even according to the word of God. Pray the word of God over your unsaved children. Pray the word of God over your marriage. Pray the word of God over your healing. Pray the word of God over your finances. Pray the word of God. Pray the word of God. All right, so he's got tender prayers. He's got targeted prayers. Here's the last one. Pray prayers that are tenacious prayers. <clears throat> Don't quit. Don't quit. <clears throat> Don't stop. Look at 1 Kings 18, verse 43. So he goes to tell Ahab, 
<clears throat> here you go. First of all, there's been no rain for three and a half years, but you go because God's sending a mighty rainstorm. Go eat and drink because God's getting ready to send it. And then look what he said to his servant. Here's Elijah's servant beside him. Then he said to his servant, <clears throat> Elijah says, go look out toward the sea. The servant went out and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. I mean, there's nothing out there. You're sending me out there. He sends him a second time. He says, go look. He goes, there's still nothing there. He sends him a third time. Go look. Go see if there's anything happening. I'm praying. Go. He looked, nothing happened. The Bible says he sent him seven times. And the guy couldn't see anything, and the guy's still praying. You talk about tenacity. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look, and finally the seventh time a servant told him, I saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The guy refused to give up. He's targeted, he's laser focused, and he says, go look. Why did he make him go look? Because he says, I know what God said to me, rain. And I'm not turning loose till I see what he said. Rain. Don't turn loose. And most people, you know what? So many. He says, oh, I got one report. I got one report. I see a little bitty cloud the size of a man's hand. <clears throat> Three and a half years of drought, and the guy finally gets excited over a little cloud. You know what I think happens sometimes? I think that sometimes that the things when we go through that wear us out, beat us up, the enemy starts saying, look what God's not doing anything. There's no, God's not doing anything. <clears throat> not, not, nothing. He's doing nothing for you. You know what we do? We forget to rejoice over the little cloud, the size of a man's hand that's appearing because that little thing you see is leading to something big. I don't know. Maybe you say, oh, God's not healing. God's healing me. But wait, wait, wait. Why don't you just re rejoice? You used to not be able to get out of the lazy bird recliner. Now you can walk to the mailbox and back without feeling any pain or huffing. I think you ought to praise God over the, you're not running. I know you're not running the World Vision Marathon, but you ought to start praising God. You could make it to the mailbox and get back. I think sometimes we shortchange God when we ought to praise him for the little things. Well, God's never meeting my finances. Yeah, but were you able to eat a Taco Bell last night? Because most of the world can't even get a, a meal. I think you ought to praise God that you were able to get a burrito supreme and enjoy it without having indigestion. You ought to praise God for something. I honestly believe this. I think sometimes the enemy takes us through such spiritual droughts that when God shows a little cloud the size of a man's hand, we sit there and grumble and we complain. I'm telling you, it may be a small thing, but you ought to start praising God. You ought to start shucking and jiving, throwing songbooks, dance the carpet down to the burlap and say, I know it's not much, but that's God moving in a little way. You ought to let praise come out of your mouth. No matter what little sign you see of hope, you ought to praise God. He's the one that's doing it. Praise him in it. Praise him in it. Hallelujah. Keep praising him in it. I see something seven times the guy says, I'm going to keep, he says, I'm going to keep praying. Now look at this. He's targeted. He's laser focused. He's specific. He's tender, humble before God. And then what does he do? He prays and 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 he prays. And he prays, 
and he prays. There's nothing there 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 and he prays. I see a little cloud and he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays and he doesn't give up. He doesn't let what's on the outside affect what's happening and what God said on the inside to him. And he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays and he keeps on praying and he never stops praying. Pray, 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 pray. Believe God and never stop praying. Do you understand the message? Pray. Never stop. Pray. Yeah, but Sam, their, 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 sin, their sins are getting worse. My kids are getting more. Pray. Sam, but the condition is pray, but it hurts more. Pray. Pray, 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 and pray. And pray again. Don't worry, and then 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 worry, then complain, and then worry, and then worry, and then complain, 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 then worry, and worry, and then complain, complain, and worry, worry. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth you praying about. Stop worrying and start praying. If you're worrying about it, you should be praying about it. Pray as much as you worry about it. I'm afraid I'm going to go broke. Pray. I'm not sure I have wisdom. Pray. And he will graciously give you the wisdom you need to navigate the situation. Pray. Pray and pray again. Pray. Did you get the message? Pray. Pray, pray, pray. We, could, we, we should have just not said anything, but just pray. That's it. Just pray, 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 pray. Pray, 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 pray. And he does not allow what he sees to affect what God said to him. Likewise, don't allow your outward circumstance to affect your inward assurance. Keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep worshiping and keep praying and keep worshiping and keep praying and keep worshiping. But some of you are going, Pastor Sam, I've been praying a long time. It doesn't seem like nothing's happening. Oh, take my word for it. Something's happening. It may be the size of a man's hand, but something is happening. But when's it going to come? I don't know, but you've heard it said, God's delay is not his denial. All I know is this, is when something's not happening, I know that God's delay time is Sam Rifkogel's development time. I don't care how long you got to pray. Pray. I've been praying for this church more than 16 years. Back when I was in the rival 1996, I was praying for this church. Still praying for this church. Still believing God for things I haven't seen yet. And then I tell them, Lord, if I can't see it, I haven't believed for it, just keep doing it because your mind, your imagination far exceeds mine. Just keep doing it. And he's doing things I never dreamed we'd ever do. Pray. Because when I'm being delayed, you're being delayed, there's something he's trying to develop because I promise you sometimes my motives have not been right. And I prayed and I thought these are godly things. And so I'm going to tell you what God does. That, de that delay time is Sam Rifkogel's disciplining time because there may be something he needs to discipline me over. I don't care if I got REV in front of my name. I don't care if I'm a pastor. There may be something that he's disciplining Sam Rifkogel over. He may be disciplining you. And he's waiting for you to see it. So he said, I can't give him this answer. This, if I gave him this answer, it would destroy him. <clears throat> when he's delaying me, there may be something, my timing is totally off. If, if I don't delay Sam on this one, he'll never intersect with this thing over here. Sometimes my direction is totally wrong. And so he's got to delay me because I'm not headed in the right direction. 
But I always know that God has my good. He has my best interest at heart. All I got to do is keep lining my motives. If it didn't happen the way it wanted to happen, well, I wanted, he, God told me he was the one I was going to marry and he married somebody else. Or God told me she was going to be mine and she went somewhere else. Don't worry. Keep giving right motives for God. I promise there's something a whole lot better. God has a snapshot of them 20 years down the road that you haven't seen yet. Take my word for it. Do not interpret your temporal experience as the eternal reality. Too many of us are interpreting our temporal experience of loneliness and pain as the eternal reality, and it is not. Do not let what you see on the outside hinder the assurance you have on the inside because God showed you in what he said. Wow. Keep praying. Did I say that already? Keep praying. Keep praying. Well, let's talk about Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus Christ said. Matthew 6, 8. Look what he said. Your father knows what you need. Your father. How many of you, how many of you dads here want to bless your kids? How many want to bless your kids? I mean, you want to bless your kids, and you don't even have the resources to do that blessing, but it's in your heart to bless them. Your father knows what's best for you, just like you have your best for your kids. I promise it's a small microcosm to the magnitude of his best for you personally. He says, your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Don't you love that part? You don't even know what to ask for, and he already knows. He says, pray then in this way. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Worship him. Your kingdom, God, your direction, not my direction. Your will be done. I want your will, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven. Pray the will of God and be tenacious in your prayer. Pray and pray and pray. Be tender be targeted and pray, pray, and never let up. Amen. Why? Because Jesus told us that, everybody. Luke 18, 1. I want you to look at this last thing. Look what he said. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story <clears throat> to show them they should, let's finish the rest of this line that Jesus said, always pray and never give up. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. And you know what he was leading to do? He was, he was leading to the story about that helpless little widow. Widows back then, they, no one had regard for them. They were very poor. She's got, she has no money. That means she can't afford an attorney. She has no influence. People put her at the bottom of the totem pole, but she had a tenacious spirit. Look what Jesus said in Luke 18.3. He says, a widow of that city came to that judge repeatedly saying to the judge, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. Give me justice in this dispute. And when it says he, she literally kept coming, it literally in the Greek, it literally means she kept coming and she kept coming and she kept coming and she wouldn't quit. She just kept on coming to that judge saying, give me justice, give me justice. She, she, listen, she, she had bulldog faith in what God would do. She had a grip. She said, this judge couldn't get away from her. I mean, he just, she kept bugging him, kept coming to the courthouse, kept showing up at the courthouse every time, come to the courthouse, give me justice, give me justice, give me, she kept bugging him, knocked on his door at his house probably, and said, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. He's in, he's in line 13 at the grocery store. There's a lot of people checking out, I'm going to give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. He's at the golf course, she said, give me justice. Lady, you can't come into the men's locker room. Stay out, no, give me justice. This lady would not turn loose of this judge, Jesus told him. He said, I'm trying to tell you how to pray when you're asking me for something. And look what it says in verse four. 
He says, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God. This man isn't even a God follower, Jesus says. I do not fear God or care about people. So what he's trying to tell them, he's not even following the greatest command, love the Lord God with all your heart, love your neighbor yourself. Jesus said that was the first one. The second one is equally important, is love your neighbor yourself. He says he doesn't care about my first or second commandment. This judge, he don't care. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Ask and keep on asking. Pray and keep on praying. Worship and keep on working. This is what Jesus said. If you're praying, don't turn loose. If it's worth worrying about and complaining about, it is worth praying and worshiping about. Look at verse six. Then the Lord said, look at this. We're coming in for the landing. The Lord said, learn a lesson. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. He's saying this guy doesn't like God, doesn't like people. He's ignoring the first two commandments. He says, and that's what he is. He said, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his tagged people? His chosen people? Are you listening to this? Don't you think God will surely, Jesus is saying this, aren't, don't you know that God will give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? He says, do you not know who you are? He says, you are tagged by God. Be tenacious and pray and keep on praying. Worship and keep on worshiping. He said, look, he said, this is an unjust judge. What's he trying to say? He said this woman was a stranger to this man. He didn't even like people. He said she was a, he was a stranger. He says, do you know what you are? You are God's chosen people, a holy priesthood, a holy nation that should show forth the praises of him. He said, you were created in your mother's womb before you began to breathe, Psalm 139. Every one of your days was recorded in his book. Come on, are you trying to understand what God's trying to say? He says, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Do you know who you are? You are the tagged people of God who know him by name and call him Abba Father. He says, don't you understand? This woman couldn't afford attorney. He says, don't you know who I am? He says, I am the advocate. That's why First John tells us, if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, an attorney with God, Jesus Christ the righteous, that goes before the judge. Do you see what he's saying? This is a court of law. He says, but I want you to boldly approach the throne room of grace. Come in boldly, knowing that you're his son, his daughter. That was a courtroom. You have the courts of heaven. Good night. What I'm trying to tell you, everybody, is when you pray, the court's rigged is what he's trying to tell you. God is the judge. Jesus is your attorney. And the Holy Spirit is your witness. Why aren't you asking? Why did you stop praying for them? He's saying, come in and ask. Ask and ask. Pray with humility. Pray targeted prayers. Pray humility. Pray the will of God. And he says, come tenaciously and never stop praying. Let me ask you a question. Have you quit praying for something that God wants you to start praying for again? 
Have you stopped praying for that spouse because you say this is just the way it is? Just their personality, so stop praying? Have you stopped praying for your kids because you said they don't listen to me anyway? Because you think you gotta do it. You gotta pray this because he's the only one that can pull this off, not you. Your, your little quips are not changing them, I promise. Pray, keep on praying. Have you stopped praying for this nation? Did you used to pray for the president, but now you don't pray for him? You don't get to choose who you pray for. You don't get to choose. He said pray, pray for him. You don't get to choose who you pray for. Pray for him. Make it a little quiet in here. We don't have the privilege of choosing who we get to pray for. He said, pray for those in authority, whether you like it or not, and pray earnestly, tenacious, the will of God prayers. Pray. Have you stopped praying for your church? I know some people hadn't prayed one iota for the service today, but don't like the song that was sung. But I prayed a bit. Pray. Have you stopped praying for your healing? Stop praying for your employer? God says, I want you to pray tender, humble, broken prayers. I want you to pray my will. Pray on target with the target of God and his will. And don't you turn loose. Have a bulldog spirit and do not turn loose until God gives justice. How many believe, friends, we have a Father that hears us and we're like Elijah. Come on, pray. Just pray, 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 pray.